Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is time? Can we control it? What do you do if you walk out of your house tomorrow and find yourself in a neighborhood you don't recognize? Well, hello, and welcome to the 540th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Paul, and those timely questions uh, are timely questions, as you might, uh, forget the pun. As you might have guessed, this evening we bring you a look at strange phenomena relating to time with a guest who has done some serious information gathering on that subject. We certainly welcome your phone calls if you have a question or comment uh, anywhere during the show. It's 401-766-1240 locally. Uh, and from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 800-449-1240. So let's uh, synchronize our watches and see what happens. Marie D. Jones is the best-selling author of the 2012 book, This Book is from the Future, A Journey Through Portals, Relativity, Wormholes, and Other Adventures in Time Travel. Along with authoring 11 other books, many of them co-authored with researcher Larry Flaxman, and innumerable articles, Marie is also a producer, researcher, radio host, and public speaker, and she appears frequently on television. Marie is a popular speaker on science, metaphysics, consciousness, and the paranormal. I, have fir I first encountered Marie when we were both on a radio show a few years ago. I was impressed that she was the only other panelist who appre appreciated the multiverse theory and quantum reality as possible explanations for paranormal events. She lives in California. Her co-author, Larry Flaxman, lives in Arkansas, I should say, and uh, was unable to join us this evening. So, Marie D. Jones, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Hey, guys. It's good to be here. Oh, it's good to have you. So, let's yeah. uh, begin with the premise of the book that uh, promoted your appearance here tonight. So, how can this book be from the future? Quote-unquote quotes there, all yeah. over the place. Yeah, we're not literally suggesting. <laughs> Although, we know, you never know with you, Marie. Right. We wrote it. 10 years into the future and then just sort of sent it back so we could give it to the publisher as if it were a book that we were turning in in the present. <laughs> okay. And let me tell you, I wish I, I could find a way that. to really do that, but uh, it's just it's a fun title that sort of plays with how little we really know about time. Or well, lack thereof in certain or cases. Or lack, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But, but how... how how critical it is, you know, how important it is to our lives, maybe too important mm. in some cases. So what are some uh, strange experiences people have had with time? You know, we all kind of look at time as being just something that's a part of our lives. We, we really run our lives according to a clock where we have to be. We measure the events of our lives. Um, you know, that's kind of how we keep track and make sense of things that happen to us by putting them in a chronological order. It also really helps us with organizing. And if you want to meet somebody, really, you kind of need to have a time that you're going to meet. <laughs> Otherwise, mm. one person may show up one day and the other one a week later. So we look at time as being this sort of functional, boring, mundane part of our existence. But many of us, you know, maybe even more than, than we think, have had experiences, uh, anything from deja vu or the slowing down and speeding up of time during certain uh, experiences or missing time or slips of time. You know, we, we have these experiences where all of a sudden we're thrown out of that mundane, boring 
perception of time in our lives and we realize, whoa, so maybe we don't really know about this thing called time and that outside of our perception of the arrow of time that's always moving forward from the past into the present into the future, maybe outside of that there is a different landscape by which time operates. Hmm. Well, this is this is something that occurred to me way back when I started paranormal research. I wondered if we weren't dealing more with time than we were with death because you, know, you run into people doing things they'd be doing in their normal lives anyway. Right. Let me ask you this, because uh, with Einstein and relativity and all this business, it, it's sort of, and it, there's very little doubt now, that time essentially as we know it, past or future, doesn't really exist. It's a function of our consciousness. It's, as right. you say, something that, that's, that's buried in the face of the clock, so to speak. The... Um, the notion of people having missing time is often associated with abduction experiences, a la aliens and all this, or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, we, throughout our uh, work in the paranormal here, you run into cases of people saying, well, gee, you know, uh, I woke up and it was uh, nothing to do with aliens, but, you know, I just, uh, time seemed to have disappeared for several hours at this point, or we have what we call, as we say, psychological time, like time flies when you're having fun. Very exactly, relevant. Or it you know? slows down when your board is, you know. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Well, well, this this kind of has an effect for everything in the, the paranormal work. As a, the big thing, you know, in the new age, one of the big things in the new age movement is talk about reincarnation. Everybody's oh boy, I don't have to go poof when I die, you know. But I mean, uh, in in the sense of past lives, uh, that isn't possible from the viewpoint from that viewpoint because you don't right. have. Yeah. Exactly. Cons- exactly. You know, time sort of following upon the past. Uh, it's all simultaneous. I mean, what say you about right. all that? What, what, what have you found as far as Well, what, what you can have, and I heard you mention the multiverse, which is, you know, my favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's <laughs> how we first hit it off. <laughs> exactly, because it really is sort of an all-purpose explanation. Yeah. Um, but in, in addition to multiple universes or parallel universes or alternate, you know, whatever word people like to use, now we're starting to explore the idea of multiple timelines where, you know, a lot of us deal with the paranormal. We deal with ghosts and apparitions that appear to be stuck back in the 1500s or 1700s or whatever. Are we really looking at uh, some kind of imprint in a location or are we looking at something that's actually happening that we're getting a little bit of a peek of and we don't quite know how that works yet in another place in another universe but also in another timeline where it's their past but it also could be our past i mean if we look at the multiverse as being possibly filled with infinite numbers of universes that means that there are universes out there there are realities out there where something that happened in 1752 at tuesday at four o'clock in the afternoon is happening at exact that time, but not here, somewhere mm-hmm. else. Sure. You know, and we also, when we talk about that landscape of time where there is no past, present, and future that, that's outside of the human brain, because really our brains are the machines that perceive the clocks, that perceive that arrow of time. But if we go back to that sort of quantum level where there is no such thing, perhaps when we see something or have missing time or a weird experience that we can't explain, deja vu, I think, is one that everybody's had, we're getting mm. a glimpse of that field, that landscape, Larry and I call it the grid, 
where time does not exist and it is our own consciousness or brains that will then place some kind of uh, limitations on time. Because, I mean, I think we do that because we need it for survival mechanism. But I've had missing time. So has Larry. Um, I didn't associate mine with uh, aliens. I was told later that the area that I had my missing time in was a highly active area for UFO sightings and abductions. Mm -hmm. I never knew that. (laughs) And I still don't associate what happened with me with that. I have no reason to. Um, It could be that our brains every now and then just slip out of their normal functioning pattern, kind of go on autopilot, and, you know, our our consciousness is allowed to sort of roam free. And then we kind of come back into ourselves. It's almost like when you go to sleep, you do dream, but there's an awful lot of downtime where you're not doing anything. So what is your consciousness doing? You have no recollection of it. Your brain is just black fade to black, but your consciousness does, or maybe your subconscious if you want to go that far. So for missing time for me, I um, I lost a couple of hours of time in the Los Angeles, in the San Fernando Valley area, going from Glendale to Pasadena. I was going to see Carl Sagan speak, <laughs> which was like the highlight of my life yeah. at the time. I was a member of the Planetary Society. I had tickets. I was, like, over the moon. And I had some really weird experiences earlier that I don't necessarily know if were part of what happened. But when I was trying to get out of my apartment, I lived in North Hollywood at the time. I couldn't get the door to open, to the front door to go out. The knob wouldn't turn. And I just kept trying. And I had this, like, weird feeling in my stomach. And I just kept trying to get that damn door to open. And my husband at the time kind of joked and said, well, maybe, you know, it's a sign that you're not supposed to go. I I was like, no way. (laughs) I'm going to see Carl Sagan. Mm -hmm. Got that sucker open, and I left. And I lived in Burbank, or North Hollywood. So got through Burbank just fine. I had driven this freeway a million times because I worked in Burbank. I drove this freeway stretch two, three times a week to go get Chinese food for my friends at lunch. We worked at Warner Brothers Records. and um, But this was at night, and somehow I lost two hours of time and ended up on the 2 North, which if anybody's familiar with the area, is not where you want to go. <laughs> and I was, like, way up there. Um, this was just around the time when everybody had those big, giant, clunky cell phones that you could kill somebody with. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, thank God. I was in a panic when I, and I say when I came to, because that's what it felt like. All of a sudden, it's like I came out of a coma. I'm still driving somehow, and on L.A. freeways, to be able to operate without being consciously aware that's pretty darn good. That's but pretty scary, too. I, yeah, It is, and that's what terrified me. I immediately pulled off the freeway, called my ex-husband. He said, where are you? I said, I'm on the 2 North. You know, I gave him the name of some ex- the obscure exit I was on. He said, just look for the entrance, you know, heading the opposite direction. Get back and come home. Don't you dare go drive. Because, I mean, Carl said it was already done. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I got home and <clears throat> I calmed down, after a while, and I went about my business and never really thought about it that much except as sort of like an anomaly. But I always associated it with 
with my brain. Because as a writer, a lot of times I go on autopilot. I don't know how I just, you know, wrote those 20 pages because I was zoned out. (laughs) And I think people do this when they run or play certain sports or meditate, what have you. And so it wasn't until many, many, many years later that I was on uh, Ann Str- with Ann and Whitley Stryber and um, one of their guests said, oh, that's a notorious area for this. And I thought, oh, well, all right, oh, I'm going to leave it alone. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know if you find as what we do, and that's very clearly that paranormal events, you know, in a broad sense, do not happen in isolation. There are always other Things exactly. going on around. It's always, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's going on seemingly in an entire area, not just to one person or one house. Yeah, and, you know, I knew there were a lot of UFO sightings because I was a member of MUFON at the time. Hmm. But I didn't hear about that one little stretch because it's a very busy stretch of freeway. Now, who in a million years, uh, because we're all used to abductions and things like that taking place in remote areas. But, you know, they do happen in urban areas sure. as well. And um, I, you know, always had kind of a, a a weird feeling, but not so much so that I felt like, you know, I need to go be hypnotically regressed so I could see what happened. I was kind of like, you know what, I've lived just fine without knowing. Yeah. <laughs> and I've had other uh, episodes like that, but not as drastic. But I'm able to pinpoint what's happening. Like I said, you know, you get into that zone sometimes and you... You look up at the clock and it's like, oh, wow, I thought 10 minutes had passed, but an hour and a half, I'm going to be late, you know, for whatever my appointment is. That kind of time distortion occurs in our lives all the time. But when it occurs in a way like that where it's like a two-by-four over the head, yeah. You yeah. Gotta, and I wish Larry were here to tell you his. He's got a really creepy one. Well, there, there are a number of occasions in which... Uh these things have happened to multiple people, which, of course, yes, w- would Larry. seem to be outside <laughs> the brain. Yeah, well, well me too. Yeah. I think a lot of these oh, really? ghost oh. cases, so-called, are actually time yeah. cases. The yeah. first one I ever worked on in 1971, I was there on, on the first occasion with, uh, with five other people, and on the second occasion with six other people. And we're in there listening to, there was a long abandoned village in our world, and you're, you're listening to, you know, people going about their business, including animals, farm farm implements banging together. It was just, it was a normal day in the life of somebody else. Right. And that's right. where I said, you know, are we dealing with dead people, or are we dealing more with time? And, 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 and in, in such a multiverse, what, what, what is the point of even talking about death? How can it even exist? Exactly. And all these it's things just, are hitting yeah. us, uh, and it yeah. was amazing. So. Um, so what happened with Larry, if you can well, presume you to know, speak I, for him? I'm going to try to summarize because I, I don't remember all the details, but it's funny because we sort of shared with each other at the same time when we are writing the book. It's like, oh, wow. Well, he was taking a group out on an investigation, and I think they were looking at, uh, they were in an area where there were railroad tracks, I think, and they were investigating strange lights that had appeared in a wooded area They all parked their cars in a particular parking spot. They knew where they were. They knew how far they had gone. Everybody was taking real good care to record, you know, the exact distance and how much time had passed. Um, But on the way back, somehow, they just kept going and going and going. And there was no cars. There were, the place was gone. You know, they backtracked. They kept looking for the place. And this is a group of several people, not just one. And they all felt really 
strange. Not just afraid, like, oh, darn, where did we park the car? But just out of sorts. Uh, I think that's a real good way to put how you feel when something like this happens. And, I mean, eventually they found the car, but when they all shared later what happened, they all really came to the agreement that they had legitimately missed a chunk of time while they were trying to find the parking lot. And so there's a group of people that... And I love this idea because, like your experience, too, we're we're talking not just about what's happening to us physiologically in the brain. We're also talking about something in the environment that influences more than just one person. <clears throat> you know, is this like a veil or a time warp area or like an Earth-based portal or all these really wacky uh, phrases that we once relegated to science fiction mm-hmm. and the twilight zone and yet I, I love jenny randall's uh she's done a lot of writing about time slips yes people that have experienced them yeah and there are places where it seems to happen an awful lot and often to more than one person mm-hmm. as if there's something anomalous about that environment that plays upon the people that pass through it at, at a specific time so and like you said, I mean, are we looking at ghosts or are we looking at quick glimpses of activity going on in another reality, in another timeline, where those people are not dead, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So give us an example of, uh, let's say, the oldest case that you've discovered. Oh, gosh. Oh, the that many? I wrote about. <laughs> no, I'm going to have to go... Look in the book now, you guys. Dang. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I think there was a couple that really went back into the 1800s. Um, oh, jeez. Let's see if I can find one of well, them. Well, how far back were oh. they recorded? Like, uh, I mean, there's definitely some... Um, like if the pharaoh walked out of the palace one day and found himself in... Uh, you know, if you, know, read the, if you read... I am convinced that if you read mythology and religious texts, there's tons of stories in there that sound like people are dealing with with time warps and time shifts. Oh, absolutely. Mm. You well, know, I'm and thinking, I think, I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Well, we don't give any credence to them because we don't have proof. You know, we're just sort of going off somebody's fictional story. But I always think that there's a truth to fiction. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, now here's the one that we wrote about. I found it. See, we've written. I've written so many books. I forget what. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I, I haven't written as many as you, but I, I do. I forget <laughs> things. That, you know. I know, and then people go, "Don't you read your books?" Well, yeah, but I've got like <laughs> eight thousand of them. But anyway, this I wouldn't necessarily say this may be the oldest because, like I said, I think there's they've been around for a long time. We just, you know, people have different ways of of describing them in different formats, and sometimes I think it was done under the guise of fiction. I mean, who would believe you? Yeah, <laughs> you know? part of the human condition. Yeah, but this particular one was from um, 1901 in England, of course. Now, England, I, that whole area is so anomalous. I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, we know. There, you yeah, should try, right? try Randall's yeah. from Forest. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, really. Whether you're talking ghosts, time slips, aliens, what, cryptids? Yeah. Wow, I don't know. I don't know if I could live there. I'd be going crazy. But anyway, oh, there were these it. two English women. <laughs> I've never been. I'm jealous. Oh well, we have we have a lot of relatives there, so it's uh, we hear it all, and we've we've been around. Uh, so 
you guys like go exploring whenever you're there and just when well, we can, usually we're there, well, every two years there's a sort of a family reunion we attend, you know, it's very extended family, and uh, one of the uh, family homes that we, well, we visit sometimes, uh, well, we've only been there once, but Powderham Castle in, in Exeter, that's supposedly got a lot of interesting things going on, and uh, when we were there, they were taking uh, bets of whether we'd find the right places or not. <laughs> And um, <laughs> also Rendlesham Forest, as I say, which is certainly oh, yeah. the site of probably the, its own history. Oh yeah, the most spectacular yeah. UFO event in the history of Britain, if not the world. Yeah. And we yeah, we trace back the history, and you know, century after decade after decade after decade after decade, going back to Saxon times, we made a, when we spoke over there, we made a whole list of of things that had happened within 25 miles of Rendlesham Forest, and you wouldn't believe the stuff. Mm. Oh, so, that's awesome. There you go. So, so uh, what, what's the case you were going to mention? Oh, okay. Well, there was this one, uh, this one particular time slip that became quite famous of these two women that were actually they were in France in the gardens of Versailles. Oh, I and heard of this. And they case, were yeah. looking for the path that led to the private palace of Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. Somehow they got off the path and onto another. They had that weird feeling. They described it as a, feel, a sense of oppression or a dreary feeling, yep. just sort of, you know, out of sorts, like, oh, what's going on here? They saw an old deserted farmhouse and some equipment. They were walking around. They encountered people who were dressed, you know, in a very different manner than they were expecting. Um, it just everything looked like it was not natural, that it was maybe frozen in time. They actually had a conversation with someone, and just, you know, this this whole sense that it was sort of like a realistic dream, and I think we have all had those. And so when they came to, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't think of any other, when they came back to, you know, normal consciousness, they, it was, they were so affected by it that they ended up writing about it. And I, I can't, t- I have a friend, when I first joined MUFON in San Diego way back, back in the day, who had a similar experience um, at a military, he was driving through a military base here, which I live on in San Diego on the coast, and if you drive up the freeway, the 5 freeway, you go through what's called Camp Pendleton. Oh, yeah, we, we know it. We uh, stayed yeah, at the, one okay. of the hotels there one time. Mm. Yeah, so anyway, he, um, and I won't say his name out of, of uh, respect for him, but he had had some history with abduction scenarios that he couldn't understand with being visited by strange people and very threatening. He was a very humble gentleman, never wanted publicity. Uh, I've never written about him, again, out of respect, but I do want to tell a story because it's such a great example of a time slip that happened locally. And so he was going up through Camp Pendleton on the 5 North, and he encountered what he said was just an unusual fog it just, it, you know, we have a lot of fog here, but it was like very fixed. There's a little area of it, almost like a bubble of it, kind of a weird color. And this is something that other researchers, including Jenny Randalls, have talked about quite a bit in England. These sort of strange, yeah. almost electrical fog. Seen it as well, yeah. Oh, you have. Oh. So anyway, he drove through and ended up totally off you know, off the freeway, way out into Rancho Santa Margarita, which at the time this happened was nothing. There's now a lot of homes there. Mm. Hours passed, you know. He thought he was just 
driving through a little five-minute fog and uh, just very shaken up. And after that, he had a number of other additional UFO-related experiences that he always felt like everything was connected, even though he had no memory of what occurred during that loss of time. And as you said, it does seem like we've, there are these clusters where things are happening. And you're not just having one type of experience. I remember back in the day, you know, when the paranormal field was fresh and everybody was wet behind the ears. Yeah, I remember you that. Had that. Yeah, you kind of had that weird belief that, oh, she saw a ghost, but that's it. You know, everything was categorized and compartmentalized and separate. He saw an alien, but that's it. And now, you know, within maybe the last five, ten years, and even more so now, you're hearing more and more about, I guess, multiple event experiences. And, you know, again, that speaks to us, obviously. I think our physiology has a lot to do with it, which is probably why one person can experience something and the guy standing next to him won't. But I think it's also environmental, and we've got to figure out what is going on in these places in these hot spots that is allowing for this kind of crosstalk between timelines and realities and universes. Any educated guesses? I, you know, again, being a, a lover of the multiverse and multiple timelines, I also believe that our planet has areas where there's a lot going on environmentally that allows us to experience things that we may not in our own neighborhood. And that can be, again, you know, EM anomalies. It can be seismic activity. And I'm not saying earthquakes. Seismic activity goes on all the time. We're not aware of it. It could be the presence of an underground water source. Just all uh, the, the weather at the time, the barometric pressure. If we could figure out all these different elements that go into play, when a number of people are having experiences in the same location, we can start pinpointing different areas. And I know people talk about the Bermuda Triangle and the Devil's Triangle and the Great Lakes and Bridgewater area. Sedona, yeah, we're we're, we're within 20 miles England. of the Bridgewater area. Are you really? Yeah, have we've had some guys, fun there guys, ourselves. Have you? I was going to say, I, yeah. I don't live anywhere near there, but no. I keep hearing more and more about it like it's heating up. <laughs> uh, perhaps um, but it is. That's, an, yeah. that's an area where you hear about ghosts, UFOs, disappearances, yep. missing time, and cryptids. That's right. Like all purpose. So what the heck is it about that area? Well, that's a long that story. That allows <laughs> for, yeah, and I mean, I think we as paranormal researchers or whatever you want to call us, we really have to work with scientists and, you know, not only people who are familiar with the history of these areas, but the geology, the, exactly. you know, the, the climate, and, and that's not just short-term, but long-term, that, that where are the water sources? What is the seismic activity here like? Uh, are there any, uh, you know, fluctuations in the electromagnetic field here? The Earth has its own resonances, and and is it does it dip a little here or rise a little we had to learn all that stuff, and that requires people opening their minds enough to grasp the importance of science. Exactly. <laughs> well, on, on that on that note, we're going to take our break. 
And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with our fascinating guest on time, Marie D. Jones, author of several books we're going to talk about as soon as we come back. So stick with us. Are you a parrot head? Are your friends parrot heads? Is your parrot a parrot head? Hi, everybody. This is Joe Callahan, and I'm inviting you into the Tiki Bar every Tuesday night from 6 to 7 right here on ON 1240, WON Socket Radio. It's a full hour of nothing but the best in Jimmy Buffett and the Coral Reefer Band. Every Tuesday night, 6 to 7, it's the Tiki Bar right here on ON 1240, WON One Socket Radio. Come join us. And we wanted to mention several of the charities Ben and I have adopted. One, of course, uh, right in uh, Marie's area, which is California, and this is a youth mentoring connection in Los Angeles. Wonderful, wonderful group of people who are working with at-risk youth using ancient wisdom. And our friend Tony Loray, who's been on the show, is doing a fantastic job with that, but they're doing it for over 10 years, and uh, so check that out, youthmentoring.org. And here in uh, the East Coast now, we have, uh, particularly in southeastern New England, uh, Builders Helping Heroes, doing wonderful things for our wounded combat veterans and uh, their families. And uh, recently in Burlville, uh, Builders Helping Heroes, which is a uh, subsidiary of the Rhode Island Builders Association, uh, built uh, for nothing a house for a wounded veteran who had lost both his legs in Afghanistan. I was privileged to be at the uh, ceremony where the keys were turned over to him and his family, and they were just expecting their first baby who's been born by now, and talk about good timing, it's excellent. So great, uh, great charity there, uh, BuildersHelpingHeroes.org, and several others we'll talk about at the end of the show. So let's get back to our fascinating conversation with Marie D. Jones, who is, uh, has written books on a number of paranormal areas, and we're talking tonight about time anomalies, things of this kind. Uh, but first of all, Marie, before we burn up this hour, which we're doing very quickly, why don't you tell us I about <laughs> the, book, uh, the book and books and your website, and where can, pe- where can people get them, and where can people find out more about you? Oh, my gosh. Um, the books are sold wherever books are sold, and that includes brick-and-mortar bookstores, um, and then the online usual suspects, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. And, you know, I always like people to go visit their local bookstore, so if your store doesn't have a book, order it. It doesn't cost you anything except for the price of the book when you go pick it up, but we're losing bookstores like crazy, and it's so upsetting. Yeah, I'm into that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Hmm. And so websites, my website with Larry is www.paraexplorers, P-A-R-A, paraexplorers.com. And my personal website is mariedjones.com. And Larry's is larryflaxman.com. We keep it easy. There you go. Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah, got to keep it easy. Well, I want to get your take on a couple more cases. Now, I, I talked with people who are involved with these. They're pretty well known. One occurred in Scotland. And another occurred in France. It was uh, two English couples in France in the early 1960s. And I, this was many years ago when I talked to these folks. They're probably still not with us, but not with us yet at, at this point. However, the uh, the English couple was traveling in France. Uh, came upon a they were driving. Uh, came upon a lovely rural uh, hotel. And maybe I mean, you may have reported this. Too. It was very famous. And uh, the man, as it was explained to me, they went in. Uh, everything kind of looked a little funny in the sense of uh, very quaint, right? right. But people were nice <laughs> enough. And uh, they um, had a lovely meal. Uh, the food was kind of unusual. But, uh, and it's people, but even and there's a couple of policemen came in. They were dressed sort of in an antique manner. And they said, you know, what are we, you know, a theme park or something? But 
lovely uh, evening. Uh, but, but when they went to pay, the uh, they were astounded. It was only uh, you know it was a pen, not pennies, but it was less than a few francs, which was the French money at the time. And they were um, astounded. The, the people didn't were very confused when they saw the paper money, but they accepted the coins. And they couldn't believe it. So they, so they went and they came back from uh, their tour. They were going to try to find the same hotel again. They couldn't find it. As a matter of fact, what they found was uh, the, the, uh, a, a broken down building that looked like it. And next, next to it was the, they'd seen a police station next to the hotel. And it, had, it also was, was uh, something else at this point. And the inquiries in, indicated that this hotel had closed in like 1910 or something, you know. Right, and um, right. so th- this this is not un- uncommon. And then in the case of the the Scottish couple, again two couples actually, they took a walk. Uh, I, I it was near Aberdeen, if I'm not mistaken, over this hill into so this lovely valley, lovely little inn down at the bottom. They didn't stay there, but they had a meal. Again, a lot of funny looks from people and all this business. And, and when they they brought out their paper money. And they couldn't believe how cheap it was. And they went back the next day or a week later, and it, was, it wasn't there. It was nothing at all. Right, right. Um, and these are not uncommon. So, now, uh, again, I've heard, I, of one. I've heard of one out on uh, some – I've, I've driven to Vegas a million times from San Diego. But apparently there was a story like that, someone on route to – and I don't remember if it was Reno or Las Vegas, where they came upon what looked like a little desert town, real quaint and – same situation. It just looked like a place that it was literally lifted out of a time warp, but then on the way back, it wasn't there. And mm. uh, yeah, I, I think that's so fascinating. But here's what what I think is really interesting: is you also have stories, and we consider them urban legends, of people who just sort of show up mm. that appear to be dressed out of the out of some point in the past, and the ID that they have on them is dated from, you know, 1840 or whatever, and they insist that they're not from here. And So you almost have to wonder, if we're able to travel through areas where specific little towns sort of fall through that crack and kind of show up here for a while and then disappear, is it also possible that there are people walking amongst us? Who are slipping through those same cracks? That, and that's been a very good so question. So many reports, you know. And are we? And so obviously, if they can come here, we may have found the mechanism by which we can go other places as well. Well, this is the whole ghost thing that that, that I wonder about. We've often encountered uh, entities or people who are afraid of us because they think we're ghosts haunting them because they see right, us the same exactly. way we might see them through the boundaries of whatever this may be. They think we're dead. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't think anybody's dead, really. Yeah. One of, one of the st- strangest things, too, in the relativity theory is the indication that time and space may really be the same thing because I'm thinking of a case, and we've had, we have a lot of people write into us about things that have happened to them, and you, know, you can't you don't know them. You have to take it at face right. value, but assuming that they're not pulling our legs, there are a number of interesting cases. I'm thinking of the one, Ben, was it, in, was it I can't remember off the was it Utah? Oh, is that the one with the Dutch speech? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about that. Uh, a couple, a, a, a woman wrote in, a retired couple, that they were very interested in ghost towns. They were taking a, a tour of western ghost towns, and they had found one on the map. I believe it was in Utah. Middle of nowhere, of course. And they, they got there, and they, had, they found a fully functioning town. 
But it wasn't like it was from the 19th century. There were cars, but all the cars were the same. And everybody was speaking Dutch. What they later found out was Dutch. Oh, how weird. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, go figure, you know. And you couldn't make this stuff up. So they went into a restaurant. And, again, funny, the, the, the only major problem people seem to have is with currency. And uh, the guy didn't want the paper money, but he uh, acted like he'd never seen it before, but he took the coins. And they had a sandwich, which was pretty good, but everything was in Dutch. They, they didn't quite identify the language, because you know, most people won't recognize Dutch when they hear, but it's very much like German. And right. uh, they later on right. named some words to someone who was a linguist, and she said, oh, that's Dutch. For example, there was a sign at the beginning of the town boundary which said, Vilkemen. And I can't remember the name of the town offhand, welcome, but it was yeah. you're welcome in Dutch. Yeah, so I know that word. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, we I'm should a have asked you. Tiny bit Dutch. Yeah, so yeah, it's amazing. You know, we also wrote a little bit about what's called mental time travel, and so it's very possible that all of these experiences that are occurring to us on a level of consciousness, or or and I want to say in the mind, meaning we're making it up. That's not it at all. But, you know, we, we focus so much on our physicality and what we're physically able to do. And we know that there are certain, we can't walk through walls yet. We'll probably figure that out in another 50 years. But it's also possible that we are uh, ha- having experiences on a mental and consciousness level, even though our bodies are still staying put. And people have such a hard time grasping that. And they because do. Because there's no scientific method to... To prove that there's no physical <clears throat> proof that something's happening, but like you said, there's way too many people reporting these experiences for them all to be either making it up or all totally crazy. I mean, this stuff is happening. It's happening to us. Where we don't like to think we're crazy. <laughs> yeah, but no. you know, how do you come up with a methodology by which you measure? and study and catalog and then eventually hope to prove this stuff that i think is you know the biggest challenge and people probably have experiences that will never tell you because they think you're going to think they're crazy no absolutely that's one of the first questions we always get and i'm sure you do too do you think we're crazy yeah well one of the issues you brought up is very interesting the the idea of proof and uh, our counter question is, what constitutes proof? Uh, we have an issue <laughs> yeah, with the whole the whole scientific right. method is based on uh, on an outdated materialist view of the world, which has pretty much been blown right. out of the water by quantum mechanics and a lot of other things. Exactly. exactly. And uh, there's a real problem with that uh, proof, um, as in art, maybe in the eye of the beholder. I don't know. So, uh, you know, you're right. I think you're. I think you just nailed it on the head. I think that the only way you're ever going to prove something to someone is it has to happen to them. Well, even then, I don't know. But most cases, level, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but though, but how do you do that on a collective level? That's where it becomes difficult. Well, it has to happen and to the whole group, I guess. It, it, to the, it would have to happen to everyone on the whole planet. Otherwise, you're still going to have people arguing on Facebook about it, right? Well, that's we just it. That. It probably has <laughs> happened and is happening to everyone on the planet. Exactly. It seems to be a normal state of, the, of human life. But you can't... The scientific method it was good for what it was good for, but we now have to really find a way to deal with the more subjective, personal experiences, especially when we see commonalities, those in itself are indicators of, you know, I like to call it circumstantial evidence. Mm. may not hold up in court, but it's still 
real got a lot of weight to it. Sure. Um, I don't know how you prove it, except maybe not wanting or needing to prove it because you experienced it. Well, that's that's true. Well, again, it it depends on the circumstances and things of this kind. But science is getting into this with transpersonal psychology, which looks at uh, the uh, validity of human spiritual experiences and uh, subjective experiences, and and also a number of certain quantum physicists are realizing that scientific materialism isn't good enough anymore to explain. It'll build a highway, but it won't explain reality. Exactly. And there was a time, too, when what happened at the quantum, really, we never thought any of it would cross over to the the more general or even cosmic level, and a lot of that is being undermined. You know, my dad, who was a geophysicist, he passed away a few years ago, but one of the things he said is that if you live long enough, you will see every scientific fact overturned as new knowledge, you know, is gained. That's the pattern of history. Well, I mean, it there's so, there's also uh, uh, there was a, a philosopher. I heard a, a podcast that he he did, and he mentioned that it's like you know, someone like the what we're talking about right now is more the job of philosophy, which is how how are all how are all these things happening, and like what is the meaning of these things that are happening? Exactly. But, we want to find the meaning, <laughs> right? Rather than studying the mechanics of it, which would be more of a scientific perspective, right? Like a, like and that's a, why yeah. everybody's got to work together. And the thing is, is you know, you do like my dad. He was a scientist to the core. I mean, he worked with DARPA and all these different agencies, consulting on seismology and geophysics. And he also had a, uh, an astrophysics degree. And I mean, my dad was hardcore science. And you know what? He was totally into UFOs, guys. Mm-hmm. He loved this stuff. He loved all the books that I had written and. And, you know, he would openly admit, it's hard to talk about this stuff in the halls of academia, <laughs> but, oh, yeah. you yeah. you know, he said you'd be surprised by how many people in the fields of science eat this stuff up. They're oh, in private, find, maybe. Yeah, no. but, you know, they're also, I think they want to try to find some more direct physical proof of it before they come out and open themselves up to the criticism of their peers, and yet, Probably all their peers are wanting to do the same thing, and it's just this ridiculous uh, ego thing, I think, where they need there needs to be so much more discussion between many different fields. Well, well and that that's includes it. religion. You yeah, know, oh, I don't, I'm yeah, not a religious yeah. person, but there, like I said, in the re- religions of the world is unbelievable truth and knowledge. You just got to dig it out of the dogma and the. You know, the BS. <laughs> I, I couldn't have put it better. You know, there's, yeah. there's great and very long memory. It's among the vessels of the memory of our species. It's contained yeah, in our I religions. Mean, if, if you can get past all the baggage. Absolutely. Look for those. Look for the, the, the more common themes and look for things that pop up. Uh, Larry and I wrote a book called Viral Mythology that really speaks to all of that because we... Oh, we're always trying to come at everything from a little bit of a scientific perspective, and yet we kind of got to the point where it's like, you know what, we cannot deny that in the myths and fiction and religious parables and stories of the past, the art, the architecture, the, the glyphs, the imagery, the rock and cave paintings, the, all of that was another way to communicate knowledge and truth. How do we pick out from that? historical and scientific accuracy and yeah, I think that's kind of being done in some small ways we're working with people are working with archaeologists and anthropologists and historians and geologists to sort of 
corroborate what they're finding in these stories and in the art and architecture with actual knowledge of what we know about our own history. But it's slow going. It is. Well, I'm sure there are lots of people sitting out in traffic tearing their hair out uh, because I'm not asking the question. Uh-oh. <laughs> is time travel possible? Now, before you even answer that, because you're on the same wavelength we are in a lot of these things. A fine pun. Right, that's right. <laughs> and the question is, you know, what do you mean by time travel? You mean the, the body gets into a machine and exactly, you go somewhere? Else, yeah. Or it's done psychologically? Is, is one any less real than the other? Uh, and we've touched well, on that, know, but what say humans. you? <laughs> oh, heck yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah. I think it's going to be possible within the next 50 years, easy. I think we're already doing it mentally and in terms of consciousness. Oh, my dog is having a little choking there. Um, oh, dear. He's choking but, on the answer. He's okay. Yeah. But it, physically, yeah, absolutely. If you would have asked, you know, somebody 100 years ago if cell phones were possible, they would have probably rolled their eyes and shot you. Yeah, right. <laughs> but look at... I mean, look at what we have done in just the last 20, 30 years. To me, it's just a matter of us catching up with the physics, the technology, and, you know, dealing with those tricky little paradoxes. But the multiverse takes care of those, doesn't it? You know, the idea well, that it we does, can do yeah. something in one timeline and one universe and maybe not in another. Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think most physicists believe that it's possible, just maybe not today. Well, I'm thinking of shamans who will tell you that they do it all the time and you don't need a absolutely. machine. Absolutely. You know? When they're journeying. Yeah, yeah exactly. And they, said it's no, they say it's no less real than right. uh, some, some right. sort of science fiction situation. Yeah, so, we may have the, the ability to project our consciousness, our mind, if you want to call it that, into... The, the past into the future because again once we get escape the construct of the human brain it's all out there in the same landscape you can run wherever you want mm -hmm. well, I'm thinking of um, se several people we know uh, one of whom goes Graham Hancock well-known uh, writer on subjects shamanic right. and many other things mm -hmm. have had experiences where they have been uh, in Europe say or an older well in one case it was St. Augustine Florida which a lot of people don't realize is the oldest town in America built by the Spanish way back and he was right. in a hotel a period very ancient building in each case hotels or whatever and they were um, literally had time experiences simply by deliberately concentrating and calming the mind etc I suppose in a semi-shamanic way Right. And uh, so one, one said that he heard out on the street the sounds of horses and this sort of thing. And uh, they say it's really not all that difficult, but the, the thing that keeps us from doing it routinely, or as we might put it, what keeps us from experiencing lives we're already living in universes where it still is that time, uh, right. is fear. There's nothing more terrifying to us, really, than disjointedness in time and space. Yeah, Lovecraft pointed that out. We live disjointed lives without having all the other ones out Well, exactly. Yeah, we're terrified <laughs> of being outside our, what we call, world families. The universe our is flowing through. Bubble. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think it's a comfort zone issue. I will also add to that distraction. We have, you know, technology is wonderful. I love it. 
but we have so much more distractions coming out at, at us. We have more information to process than any other time, quote unquote. And our brains are just overwhelmed with, well, what is important to my survival? What is not so important? We barely have the time to shut out all the distractions and allow for that part of our mind or consciousness that can tap into those other timelines and experiences. People do it when they meditate. Not everybody, because not everybody can meditate really deeply, but people, you know, have experiences like that all the time. They have it with with uh, peyote and ayahuasca and, and, and DMT experiments that have gone on. Yeah, like you have people yeah. having these, ex- yeah, exactly, these experiences where they're lifted out of their day-to-day consciousness and the day-to-day survival stuff and all of the distractions that go with it. So I think it's fear, and I think it's just the fact that we're so overwhelmed, we don't know, even know how to start. You know, we don't know how to even get to that level where the mind can open up like that. Yeah. I think when you're kids, it kind of comes natural, but as you get older, you just pile on so much. I think that's true, yeah. Yeah. What would you suggest for, and this is, again, the uh, am I, do you think I'm crazy question, would come from people <laughs> feeling very insecure and uncomfortable when they have experiences like this. What would you, what would you say that someone, an ordinary garden variety person in uh, 2014 should do if right out of the blue comes some sort of experience uh, wherein they feel that they have had a, a, a time slip or something of this kind, or, or a slip in time and space, or one or the other. What, what, how would you reassure them? What? Because uh, there could be psychological factors that need to be there treated. There could, and if yeah, and how if do you approach like that? that? Yeah, if they feel alone, like they're all alone in this, that could be very damaging. Hey, reach out, get on the internet, look. You know, look for. Uh, books or groups or organizations. I mean, there's so much stuff out there. Read some of the books on the same experience that you've had, and you'll see you're not alone, that thousands of other people have had similar experiences. You start to feel like, whoa, what actually happened to me, I'm terrified that it happened, but now maybe I'm thinking this is kind of interesting. This is kind of cool. I want to learn more about it. One, you know, we we moan about technology, but we now have at our fingertips the ability to reach out to anybody all over the world and share common experiences. That can really save somebody's butt when they've had something happen that were they isolated and alone might terrify them and just, you know, render them uh, immobilized in a sense. Reach out. Well, if they make if they make the right connections, I, I think if the internet sometimes yeah. is sort of an electronic Ouija board, I mean, you have no idea what you're really That's talking the to. That's problem. I know there's so, so much information. You got to have a little bit of discernment, and I think, you know, it, 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 go with the gut. I'm such a big believer in where your what your gut feels when you're reading some something, a piece of information. But I mean, there's radio shows. I think if people look enough, they'll start to find the good stuff that can help them. I, I wouldn't nece- and I wouldn't necessarily say, well, go to a psychologist or a therapist because some are really into this stuff and mm-hmm. aware of it, yep. but others aren't. It kind of depends on where you live, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's a minefield. But I just, yeah, I just think that if you reach out and have a little bit of discernment, don't believe everything you read or see, mm-hmm. you'll find, oh, wait, wow, that guy had the same exact thing. Okay, and here's another one. You, then you kind of start to find the people and the organizations that can help 
at least you know maybe help you understand a little bit of what might have happened to you. That's probably the best solution, but I'd say uh, a lot of discernment. <laughs> yes, and that's yeah. yeah, and that's something you might have to learn through <laughs> trial and error. But you know, I mean, your radio show—they can read my books. I think you know you go slow, but eventually, I think they'll find some good information. Very you know, good. You know, a lot of muck. Okay, well, we had more questions, Marie, but we're all just about out of time. Uh, oh, my God. Why don't, believe it or not. <laughs> so tell us again, uh, the websites and uh, where, the, the books, the titles, where people can get them. And um... Oh, the books, there's, uh, there's so many of them, I won't list them all. The current one is Viral Mythology. We, Larry and I also have a book out called The Grid, Exploring the Hidden Infrastructure of Reality, which talks a lot about this stuff, too, the multiverse and uh, multiple timelines. Books anywhere they're sold, brick-and-mortar bookstores, online bookstores. You can always order if your store doesn't have it. The websites are mariedjones.com, larryflaxman.com, and paraexplorers, P-A-R-A.com. Very good. And there are Very links to those on the, the show page for this uh, on our website as well, behindtheparanormal.com. Marie, it's always a great pleasure. And, oh, it uh, went we'll, by fast. See? We'll, <laughs> very good. <laughs> we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> Sounds good, guys. Take Tell Larry care. we said Bye-bye. hi. Bye. Okay, I will good. do that. Bye-bye. All right, very good. Okay, Marie D. Jones, everybody. Uh, we have a lot of announcements here, so let's start with uh, this one. The Exeter Kiwanis UFO Festival is coming up in Exeter, New Hampshire, on Saturday, August 30th. Ben and I will present a program on strange connections, UFOs, cryptids, and ghosts. Other speakers will include the great Stanton Freeman, Bob Schroeder, both of whom are frequent guests on the show, and we'll offer more information as it develops, and you can check uh, www.exeterufofestival.com. And after that, there will be two events for which we will raffle off. First is the Experiencers uh, Speak Conference at the uh, Carleon uh, Hotel? Clarion. Clarion. Why did I put that all over there? All right. Clarion Hotel and Conference Center in Portland, Maine, on September 6th and 7th, and this is a uh, UFO conference focused on abductees, experiencers, and ca- contactees. Uh, anybody uh, can attend, of course, and uh, this will be very interesting, and we will draw the winner for four tickets uh, on our uh, August 25th show. You can find out about the event at www.experiencerspeak.yolasite, that's uh, Y-O-L-A, uh, site.com. And if you go to the main page at behindtheparanormal.com, there are a couple of banner. there's a banner Ad for each of these events, and you click that, and you'll you'll either get to the site or to a, a place where you can enter uh, to win the tickets. So August 25th, we'll have a drawing for four uh, tickets to that event in Portland, Maine, on September 6th and 7th. And that is organized, by the way, by our good friend Steve Fermani, mm. who does he he really has a green thumb when it comes to organizing these events. They're they're really well done. Uh, the other event is the second New England UFO conference on October 17th and 18th at the City Hall in Lemonster, Massachusetts. Ben and I will once again speak on strange connections between UFOs and other phenomena. And we'll raffle off two family packs of tickets uh, to that event as we did last year. The site, uh, neufoconference.vpweb.com. And again, if you go to behindtheparanormal.com, there is a link to that. Uh, and, and, and when you hit those... Uh, links to enter, uh, it'll just bring you to an email and just fill in your name, your phone number, uh, and uh, your email address, and that's all you have to do, and you'll be entered in the contest. But uh, make sure you hit the right ones because they're specific to the events. 
So if you uh, do not want to send us an email at paulbehindtheparanormal.com, you can also drop us uh, snail mail at Behind the Paranormal, uh, care of W O O N 1240 AM, 985 Park Avenue, in Socket, Rhode Island, 02895. So please include your name, address, and phone number, and there are links at BehindTheParanormal.com. And the drawing for that event will take place on the air on Monday, September 29th. So you can visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find over 550 free podcasts and uh, past shows from um, ON1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with uh, special shows and podcasts. And also check out our uh, site, www.NewEnglandGhosts.com, where there are case studies and photos, along with articles by my dad. And I, too, have written a few minor tomes, and you can buy those books at Barnes & Noble uh, Nook, uh, BarnesandNoble.com, for the e-reader, Amazon Kindle, and uh, also uh, Amazon.com, etc., etc. You can order them from any bookstore. But if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I will be happy to sign them for you. And you will keep us or help us keep all those podcasts free. Also so, on our oh sorry no oh, sorry please. Now also on our sites you'll find direct links to the charities you mentioned and several others, uh, particularly Youth Mentoring Connection and the veterans organizations we talk about. And next Monday, June thirtieth, right here on WOON and ONWorldwide.com, uh, we will welcome well-known musician David Young, who has been uh, channeling, as he says. Uh, George Harrison, one of the uh, Beatles. That will be very interesting. So get your questions to us at BehindTheParanormal or Paul at BehindTheParanormal dot com, or just plain call in. And we leave you this evening with a simple quote from that old sweetheart Albert Einstein: "Time is an illusion." I'm Paul Eno, and I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we'll see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.